Hey, Lily. Uh, someone pointed out something strange about product management to me the other day. Randy, you've been doing this for a very long time now. You're <laughs> only just realizing that we thrive in chaos. Um, okay. Well, yeah. But I'd never put this dichotomy together before, or at least not this way. I mean, we try to work in agile ways and avoid waterfall approaches most of the time. But... One of the problems we have is that budgeting is an annual waterfall process, and usually so are corporate goals and OKRs and things like that. Yeah, we've all been there, but that is a good way of framing the issue. Fortunately, our guest today is here to tell us about how to navigate that very dichotomy. Ooh, have they found the magic money tree with the bottomless budget? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But Sten Pity co-founder and CEO at Tability, has an approach for OKRs that avoids the issue of cascading goals down the organization. Let's see if it solves your problems. Um, don't you know by now that none of our guests can solve my problems? I mean, but let's see what he's got right after the intro. The Product Experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week on the podcast, we talk to the best product people from around the globe. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and discover more. Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium content, discounts to our conferences around the world, and training opportunities. Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities. There's probably one near you. Stan, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. It's great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Like, I'm super excited. So, uh, I know you've spoken at a bunch of conferences and done a bunch of things, but, and you write a lot, but not everyone knows who you are already. So, can you give us a quick intro? What are you doing these days? And how did you get into, into the world of, uh, product and OKRs in the first place? Yeah, um, yeah, sure. So, yeah, my name's Stan. I don't expect many people to know about me. And, um, I'm the CEO of a company that is called Tability. And so what we do, uh, to put it briefly, right? So we help teams and remote teams in particular to stay aligned and keep track of the goals. And, um, so the way I got into product, um, I was before doing that, I was a product manager at Atlassian and, um, I have like actually a dev background. So I came, I, I came into the world of software for dev. And then I realized that I was much more of a product engineer. So what I was interested in is like when you have, it's like, how do you, solve a problem by building in the right feature. And I like the code part of it, but much more um, the part where you have to talk to your users and and try to design the thing that works for them. And then I realized, hey, there's a whole world where this is a job. And so I decided to go into that world and it was super exciting. So yeah, I got, uh, that's how I started to um, be interested in product and then built a, a platform around that later on. And, and so the the platform stability it specializes yeah. in helping people with OKRs and cascade well not cascading them we'll come back to that in, in yeah. a little bit later but uh, OKRs it's this debate we have all the time you know people who love them swear by them and then there's so many people who've been burned by them and it's it's just this really volatile debate in the community so let's start with the anti pattern of it you know, as someone who specializes in this, in this what are the mistakes you see made when people try and use OKRs over and over again? Yeah, so I think I think the, the most common mistake that I see teams do before everything, right, is like teams give up too early. And this is because 
Um, I don't think we talk that uh, we talk we don't talk enough about how hard it is to have a good cast. And there's actually um, uh, someone called California. Uh, she wrote a, a post that is called uh, OKRs are hard on Medium. And it's a great post because she's really good at it. But the entire post is saying like, I'm good at it and I still struggle. And, and I think that what happens for teams that are new to OKRs, um, they go from, you know, it's like, like all companies, like what we've done is like we've been taught um how to work with outputs you know it's like you get a backlog you organize your backlog you prioritize your roadmaps and all of a sudden someone turns up to you and say like oh but what are your goals and it's really hard you know when you spend your entire week thinking about outputs and work and bugs and backlogs and meetings to all of a sudden like understand like how am i going to like set the right kind of matrix etc and so the first cycle is always wrong the second cycle is also probably wrong but because people see that, you know, they're like, okay, this is not working, so I'm going to give up. And um, and it takes, you know, it probably takes almost like a year for teams to get it right. And so I think that the first mistake that people do is, you know, we give up too early because we haven't seen really the benefits of it. <laughs> there's a couple more things that I want to say. It's like there's another, actually, before that, there's a mistake that uh, leadership does when they introduce OKRs into companies. And um, is that... OKRs doesn't have the same value for them as it has for the team. And what I mean by that is like OKRs usually, and especially now that teams have gone remote, it's like it's usually someone that um, has read the book, one of the books, you know, like for me, I would recommend Radical Focus. It's a great book, um, a really a good way to be, to have like a practical explanation of what OKRs are about. But so for as a manager, right, or as a leader that has several teams, you hear about this framework that is going to help you set the direction to multiple people. And, and basically you can go from one team to another and everybody talks about focus the same way. It's amazing for you because you get to understand what is going on into your entire company. And so we talk about alignment. We talk about like, you know, accountability. We talk about like, like having people focus. But if I'm a designer or if I'm a developer and all of a sudden, you know, someone turns to me and says to me, Hey, you got to update this new spreadsheet. It just feels like more work. And so from the people that the individual, you know, contributor in companies, like it just feels at the beginning, like an extra thing that I have to do as part of my job. And when I was in that lesson and they introduced OKRs, that happened to me, right? I was the one who said like, what the hell is that? Like all of a sudden my boss, my manager came to me and said, hey, do you know what? Like every Friday we have to fill in this thing and you have to like put a number and score it between zero and one. And it, it was like, you know, you have a hard time understanding the value of that. And so that's another mistake, right? It's like, you can't explain the value of OKRs to, like, as, as a leader, if you want to introduce OKR to your team, you have to figure out, like, what's in it for them. And it's not the same as what's in it for you. And and so if you don't do that right, then people, you know, it's going to be hard to, to do OKRs for, the first cycle is going to be difficult, and people don't even understand what they're doing this. So it makes, yeah, makes it really hard like, to get going. Um, I got a third point. Like, I don't know if you, <laughs> I got a third mistake. Like, so, okay. So there's like the third mistake for me is also now for the leaders to misunderstand the value of OKRs. It's like the first thing that they think is like, oh, this is going to help me align everyone. It's going to be great. All my teams are going to move into the right, the same direction. But what happens, right? It's like, so if you think like, it's not like companies don't have goals without OKRs. Like every team has like a set of goals but it might be expressed differently. Like a marketing team can say, hey, do you know what? Like I have themes and metrics. And then you go to the engineering team, they have big rocks and uh, you know, some KPIs. You go to the product team 
And every team talks about what they want to do in a different way, which makes it super hard to understand, like, are these people working on similar things or is it completely divergent? Now, you introduce OKRs. And so what's good about it is that everyone has to say objectives and everyone has to say key results. So that's good. But then the first thing that happens more often than not is that you realize that people are not at all working on the right things, right? It's like one team is doing this and another team is like, like the marketing team is, has different plans than what the product team needs them to be focused on or vice versa. And so people look at that and they're like, oh my God, OKRs, they're creating chaos in the company. No one is working on the right things. Well, I was like, no, this was done before, right? It's like, it's just now you can see it. So now you can start fixing it. But the thing is like, people see that as like, no, 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 OKRs causes dysfunction because you can't see the dysfunction. And so they're like, well, let's go back to what we had before where we could ignore the problems, right? So like I would say those three things, like don't give up too early. Um, number two is like explain the value, find the right way to explain the value for the people that are not in this position of saying like, oh, what I want is like to see compare 10 teams together. It's like you don't have the same needs as someone who's like part of a team and the value for them, it's more about like, hey, we're going to give you autonomy. Instead of me looking at your backlog every day, we're going to just talk talk once a week. And, and if your goals are trending in the right way, then I'm hands off. So it's like, you got to change the way you explain the value. And the third one is like, the first thing you're going to do is to see all the dysfunction in your companies. And that's okay because that's a starting point. Now you can align teams, right? It's like, it's like it doesn't magically like create alignment. Like it, it creates visibility first and then you can work on alignment. Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> that's it. That was amazing. I felt like, you know, that was a great, great introduction and absolutely my experience of OKRs as well of, you know, just uncovering that misalignment and going, hang on, this isn't working. And then being like, oh, no, actually, it wasn't working before. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so you summed it up like brilliantly. Um, so I kind of want to like just go straight in and ask, like, how do we do it right then? Like, how do we fix those problems? Um, you said it could take up to a year to get into a really good place with making OKRs work and I guess getting visibility and alignment. But what's the sort of the things that need to be in place in the business for you to really introduce OKRs or if you've kind of tried them before and failed, like reintroduce them? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to probably cause the, the do you say ear or ire? like well, of anger of some some people in the community by saying that I think that one of the big problems like we try to tell teams that the OKRs need to be perfect. And I think that step one is to accept, you know, that teams are not gonna get it right. So my advice is like first of all, if you need your OKRs, start small. Don't try to spread it to like, you know, like the entire org, 30 teams at once. Like maybe you start with a leadership team, they do that for a quarter. And they get to understand like how it works. They get to have debates about how to measure things. Um, and also just like get the right, you know, it's like if you have like a spreadsheet template, if you have a tool, etc., to just like get a sense of, you know, how do we want to scale that to the rest of the company. Um, but um, I have a saying that understanding your, well, using a framework, right? It's a 20% knowing the rules of the framework and then 80% adapting them to your company. So one danger that I see is like, okay, I really like the book Measure What Matters. I think it did a great job of explaining the value, general value at a high level. It's like, this is what OKRs 
are about and this is how it can be helpful. But then I think that um, it's been taken too literally about like, okay, we're going to do it like in the book. And if the team doesn't do it like in the book, then that team must be like just ice, right? So, okay, I'm, <laughs> I think I'm going a little bit around the thing, but to give some practical, because I feel like it's best if I can come up with some pra- practical advice for the listener, right? So number one, like start small, like don't try to like do too many teams at once. Um, number two, and what I mean by like adapt it and, you know, it's okay if it's not perfect, is that any framework is aspirational, right? So to talk about something else, it's like one problem that we had, um, like I, during my time at Atlassian, the Spotify squad thing like appeared and then people were like, oh, there's a Spotify works like this. We have to do it exactly like this article. And then someone came up like a few years later saying like, oh, we never did that. That was aspirational. And I think it's the same. You need to treat OKR the same way. Like the aspiration is that all your key results are measurable. Um, you update everything like on a weekly basis. You have those meetings, etc. But now maybe the step one is that you just have one plan, like a couple of objectives, key results, and maybe one of the key results is an output. And I'm okay with that, right? If it's a big project and you really want it to be delivered by a deadline, like I feel like it's silly to go to a team and to force them to say like, but what's your metric for that, right? It's like, you can't track that because if you don't have a metric, like you have to come back and they spend week after week after week trying to figure out a metric as opposed to like start working with the idea of OKRs, which is if that's a key result, like come back next week and tell me if you're on track, right? And and then like start working like this in iteration. So um, that's the second piece of advice is like, it should be okay. Like start with what you have, but the idea is like, yeah, it's better, better for me to start somewhere than... Um, then to try to, to, to be perfect, I think that uh, there's a, yeah, it's like a perfect is an enemy of good or something. Like that happens with OKRs a lot. Um, yeah. Stan, we talk about how, how, how we use these things as a way of uh, exposing where there's misalignment and, you know, mm-hmm. and the dysfunction and trying to get everyone working on the same thing or at least in the same direction. But... I've seen this misinterpreted in the past, and I, I think I screwed up in the beginning uh, in my first question, where I talked about cascading OKRs down, and you talk, have a different term. You talk about flowing them, uh, or uh, or what was the other word? Um, aligning. Yeah. So, what is the difference? What is it? So, what, I mean, it's obvious to me, and the way I've seen it uh, explained in the first place, it really does start from a top level OKR, and you kind of break that down and cascade yeah. it. But what is it actually? look like when it works yeah okay so this is something i don't really like to do which is like to say like oh this thing was bad in a particular setting but um so in the book measure what matters which i need, I need to start by saying like i think it's great you should read it but the thing the example that was that was taken literally was the cascading model in the thing and so the cascading model means like i have an objective at the top then i'm going to have some key results and now the the OKRs of the, the teams under that, they start at those key results, right? The key result becomes an objective. And so this cred like the picture that it paints is is amazingly um attractive. Because it means that anything relates to like a you know like a, a goal like it trickles down like in a beautiful way on day one of the quarter. But so the problem with that is like your assumption is that your, your, your initial strategy was perfect. Is that, that you, you, whatever you set, you know, on that top plan, like that, that, oh my God, like this is exactly what we need to do. Well, like the first thing I want to say, right, is like, I'm going to assume this, this was great. What well, markets are changing really fast. Like we, we can see between what has happened with COVID and what's happened 
happening now with the economy. It's like, chances are your plan is going to have to change, like maybe in a month or, or two, like some things, some part of your plan. And so if your plan at the top has to change, it means that everything that came down underneath like needs to change as well. And that becomes like super expensive to do. So what is better is to trust humans. You know, our brain is still like one of the most powerful machines, right? We're, we're catching up with, you know, the AI stuff is, is pretty exciting, but you can tell a bunch of people, here's the idea, here's what we want to achieve, right? And you show them objective, you show them some key results. Maybe you don't have all the measures of your key result, but the important to talk more specifically, do you care about performance this quarter or do you care about growing the number of customers? Um, what trade-offs are you asking people to make? Like, do you want them to, to focus on, on bringing product A up or do you want them to uh, like get more money out, out of product B, right? And it's about like getting people to understand like, oh, okay, this quarter as a company, we need to be focused on this kind of problems. And now you can trust teams to go back and be like, all right, so how, how am I going to help? I have an example. Okay, I'm, I'm trying to look at the time. As well. I, I, I'm going to give an example, which for me is important. Um, when you, like, for instance, if you have a team that comes to me and says, um, uh, our objective, right, is it, to um, build a strap integration. Like, that, that's not a good objective because that's something you do because you want to do something else, right? So the, the way you get to back to the objective is to ask why. It's like, why do you want to do this? Uh, it's because, well, we need to get people, uh, be able to charge people. Okay, so why do you want that? Oh, we want to get paid customers. Okay, so your objective is to get paid customers. And so now, you know, instead of having to go to every team and say like, hey, okay, I want you to trickle down everything from that, you can talk to humans in different functions and say, if we want to get paid customers, like how can you contribute to that? Um, so when you said at the beginning, right, it's like when you're too rigid and you say to people, you got to trickle down from the thing that I said at the beginning, it locks them into a certain type of thinking. Whereas like in this case, even if I'm on the support team and I say, hey, I don't really have anything to do with getting paid customers, well, maybe we can have like a list of, you know, paid feature that can help some customers so that when they come to us with specific use cases, we can try to see if they might be interested in something that can help them. Anyway, that, that's like a long way to say cascading like is a rigid thing that is going to lock the thinking of your team and also just make it so expensive to adjust your plan. Whereas like the model that we think is best is to just have have a plan at the top, then let people look at that plan, right, as a whole and try to understand, like, what's the spirit of the plan? And now we can also design our own OKRs underneath. But we can't do that. We don't have to wait for the top to be finished to be able to do that. Right? Do you remember what it was like when you were just starting out as a product management leader? Ah, oh, no, that was a few years ago. It can be really tricky to fully understand what your responsibilities are, how to build a team that feels empowered, and how to create that all-important product culture which we're all inevitably striving for. Yes, you are so right. And working with senior leadership too, such a challenge. Absolutely. That's challenging for new leaders and for people who have been in a leadership role for years. I guess there's a reason you brought this up. You know me so well. Mind the Product's much-loved four-week intensive product leadership course is back for 2023. It's a mix of weekly remote classroom sessions, self-paced learning, dedicated triage time, out-of-class activities, and more. Really interactive, really engaging, and just the ticket for new and established product leaders looking to level up their product strategy skills 
and understand how to work with their senior leadership team to achieve exceptional product and business outcomes. Sounds amazing. It really does. Anyway, tickets are now on sale for the first 2023 cohort, which kicks off in April. It's really limited seating, so it's worth securing your spot now. You can find out more and book for the April cohort at mindtheproduct.com slash leadership course. All one word. And and how do you, during the, the quarter, what kind of cadence, what kind of, oper- uh, you know, how do you work together to make sure that the cascading OKRs still work, that you're still aligned? Yeah, so that, that's the other thing, right? It's like, for me, it's like, OKRs, if you don't update them on a weekly, or update them, update for progress on a weekly basis, you're pretty much like, it's like you're treating them like KPIs. And what I mean by that, it's, it's something that, it's a metric that just evolves and at some point, you know, you look at it, but you're not actively using it to work better on a weekly basis. Like the example, you know, it's like, say that um, we said like a, a OKR today and then so the next time we're going to talk about it is, is next month, right? I, um, and that is in good shape. It means that I'm not going to think about it until like one month before the end of the quarter. And if when we meet on that second month, things are not looking great, then it means we only have four weeks to correct the course. And four weeks is not a lot of time. If that's the first time you discover your problem, it means that it's going to take us one week just to discuss about the problem, another week to start to design a plan, and then it's the end of the month, right? And so whereas like if you think about a team that, looks at the progress on the OKRs on a, a weekly basis, it's, it means that we have like 12 points of discussion during the quarter. And it's going to be pretty clear, you know, like by the, the you know, the half of the quarter, you're going to have like enough data points to start seeing a trend. And you'll be able to understand is like, oh, are we going to hit it? Or is it looking like we're slowing down? And in which case we should start now to think about like adjusting things. So for me, it's like, conversations, you know, like rapid feedback, like helps solve most of the problems of teams. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm someone working in software and a lot of the times, like we see that discussion with our customers, they're like, oh, it would be so amazing if you can automatically detect A, B, C, D, E or do this and send it to my mailbox. But our answer is like, our, our software is here to assist you to get the right information, you know, but there's nothing faster than getting people in the room every week and to just like talk about what happened. Because as a collective brand, we can understand problems and adjust like much better than any piece of software is going to be able to do. Because whatever you put into our software, like it's always like partial information, right? So what, one of the things that I've kind of struggled with, with setting quarterly OKRs is sometimes you'll have quite a kind of hefty, uh, big, hairy goal, I think people call it. Um, for the quarter which you can't necessarily like you'll be working towards that in the quarter and you'll be experimenting with different things to try and I don't know whether it's like double your conversion rate or Mm -hmm. something like that but you won't you know you'll have made some progress but it won't look particularly impressive in that quarter but then you'll see the benefit and the kind of the fruits of it maybe in the next quarter Um, so when you're reviewing the OKRs on a quarterly basis, do you find that people tend to carry over OKRs into like a subsequent quarter or do do they get kind of reset on a fresh each time? 
Um, there's some continuity in the efforts, right? Because I think like the best case is like you have like an idea, for instance, your um, before even doing the quarterly OKRs, you should have some idea of like um, for this year, those are the big things we want to do. And some companies actually have like a yearly OKRs before the quarterly. Some of the companies have just like that vision themes. Um, so for me, it's like the actually the hardest. Like this is this is a great question because the hardest type of OKRs to set are something along the lines of be on track for project X, which happens like, you know, it takes like four to five months to finish that. So anything measurable is going to happen like on the month number four or five. So how do we know we're on track uh, during month one to three? And um, the answer to that, right, is like, it's it's actually difficult. And there's different ways to do it, but it really, it's a case by case type of, you know, companies like, Best case scenario, you actually can do sort of alpha or beta and have some customers that can drive a product. And so now you, you kind of try to design goals around that, um, and which can be discovery goals as well. And, you know, like we run some kind of surveys and, or, you know, satisfaction of the beta customers is this, et cetera. We want to see like retention and usage on the beta or alpha platform, but sometimes you can't even do that. And so there's not like one size rack type of question. I think the idea for me is like, I would sit with a team and say, what are things that can give us like the confidence? If we, those things are uh, happening, we're confident that on the month number four, we're going to have like something great. Um, and so that depends on the team, but it's like, it's going to be about that. And it need, needs to be like things that are maybe not binary as much as possible, right? Because it's like, if it's a binary thing, like, oh, we've shipped that feature. So therefore, like, while well, we know that it's going to be done on time, I'll be like, oh yeah, but the problem with anything binary is that the only question you can have every week is like, did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? Right? And so it's like, it's hard to understand. It's like, okay. So if you have, if you have more like, oh, there's like, like 12 things, 12 steps, and then you can divide that in the quarter, then you can do how many steps out of the 12. But if it's just that one thing, it, it becomes difficult. Um, yeah, so that, that's probably the, the, the answer here is like find proximetric of success, like anything that can raise the confidence. Um, if it can be measured, the better, even if it's something as simple as like, well, we've done like 20 UX sessions, um, on this particular thing, then, you know, have a way to measure the success of the UX sessions, but it means that you're actively working toward that success. Can we talk about a practical example of this one that comes up again and again in companies that, maybe aren't doing this as well, where the objective that comes down is something like double revenue this quarter or this year or so, you know, something like that, where it's, it's a binary. It doesn't talk about how to do it. It's an outcome yeah. rather, you know, they're, but they're not talking about uh, double it by expanding into new territories or into adjacent markets or, you know, what the, 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 the tactic around it. Yeah. What's a good way of, of making that happen? Okay, so this is great because this ties back like everything that we've been talking about. Because if a team is new to OKRs and they want to write that as their objective, I'll be like, fine, put that as your objective. But they try to make it a bit more exciting. It's like, wow, amazing uh, growth by doubling revenue. And I'm like, okay, so you want to go twice as much. Now the question is going to be, what OKRs, what key result do you attach to that? And of course, you're going to have like a key result that's, that says like MR was this much and then MR now is twice as much. And I'm like, yeah, but I want two other ones that is going to help your team understand like how they're supposed to be meant to, to do this, right? Do you want them to get more leads or do you want them to increase the average contract size 
or do you want to be better at retaining people? Do you have a leaky funnel, for instance? Have you, do you know that? Like maybe you sign up a lot of people, but um, not enough people are actually going for a trial and paying at the end. And so I, I think it's like, so the reason why I would say to that team is like, keep, keep that double revenue thing is because generally speaking, when someone comes to you with that, it's like they have a hard time letting go of that metric. And so I'm like, do you know what? I'll give you that win. It's like, you can put it. Yeah, it's cool because, you know, you'll be able to track it. But for this to now start being efficient, we're going to go down a level of like, what do you think is your best uh, way to get that double revenue thing? Like, do you just have to do whatever you do today and just keep going and then it's going to double? In which case, I'd say like, maybe you don't have to track that as an OKR. But if not, they probably have some ideas of where things break in the funnel or where are the big opportunities and I'd say, okay, part of that objective of doubling revenue, if for instance, it is that you have like a, a huge partner ne- network and you need to go from 10 partners to 100, I'd be like, add a KR around that, right? And and track how many contracts, you know, how many uh, customers you, you see coming from these partners. Yeah, that makes loads of sense. Um, <laughs> okay, so we, we just have time for one more question. Mm-hmm. Um who should write these OKRs? Like, how should they be written? Like, you know, you've mentioned various different people within the business, mm. but are they written together with the whole team? Or, you know, is it the leadership person within the team that's kind of suggesting them and then the team contribute and edit? Or like, what's what kind of different ways have you seen and, and what works best? Okay, so um, a bit of a, I don't know if it's a controversy. Like, for, first team, first cycle, um, it, has to be top down. I think it's unfair uh, for the first cycle to turn to people that never had to set goals and then say to them, hey, uh, yeah, what are your engineering goals? Like, and I want metrics and I want that and I want this to be great. Like, you've, <laughs> yeah. you've asked for these people to do roadmaps and backlogs and stuff. And um, I think it's best if the first set of OKRs, like uh, first cycle is um, top down, you know, it comes from maybe the leadership team agrees that this is what we want to do. Because if there's a mistake that is being made, then it's on them, right? They cannot turn to people and say like, oh, you didn't get it. Um, and then as people get comfortable, then you can switch to like, okay, we wrote the entire OKR. This is kind of like what we think that it should work. Next cycle is like, hey, we have some objectives. Um, what do you think would be a good key result? Like to go back to the double revenue, right? And so it's like, okay, so we want to, you know, like get MR like to, to double up. Um, what, what key result do we want to have that can help here? And then let the team participate to that discussion. And then once you start like spreading all chaos throughout the team, then this is where teams can be empowered to come up with their own plan, right? Because by that time, maybe you've done like two cycles and the third cycle, you say like, hey, okay, you understand how this is done. These are the chaos at the top. Now go ahead, do your draft, and then we'll talk about the draft um, next week. Yeah, so a gradual approach basically to empowering people. Not just like, I think, dumping on day one, like, hey, this is a new framework and it's exciting. Read this book and then come back to me with new articles. Um, I think it's <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like some teams can do it. Like I've seen it, it work, work really well because they already have like a, a a metrics culture. So it depends a lot on that. It's like some teams are really well suited to be successful with OKRs. Other teams, you know, it, it comes, um, it, it becomes a, like you have like a cultural change that needs to happen first. Mm-hmm. First, in, in this case, then that's my recommended approach, like gradual. And, uh, and you'll get into a good spot. Do we have to write them at all at this point? Can we use uh, an open, open AI to, you know, like <laughs> GPT to, to write them? 
Yeah, no, okay. So we, we, we brought, <laughs> we brought chat GPT into a product. It's not chat GPT, it's GPT free. So, but it's pretty much the same. So the reason we did this is because we see teams having like four stages. Sorry, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make it short, right? Stage one is like, you just throw things on the wall and then you see what works. Stage two is like, the team is growing and now you, you can't just tell people what to do. You have to give them goals, like, because that's how you scale. You know, we, this is what we want to achieve and you empower people to set goals. And stage three is when you start looking at that OKR thing. Like, how do we like have like a great system to do this? Stage four companies are the companies that know how to do this really well, right? Everyone in the company is super savvy. Now, with our platform, like it was working, like you have a lot of teams that are at stage three and stage four. And for them, they just look at us and they're like, yeah, we just don't want it to be in a spreadsheet. Um, this is great. Uh, we want a more efficient way to do this. But there's so many teams that are like that stage two team, right? Stage one, you still like, you don't, but you're just learning and you're not sure how to write goals around, um, you know, uh, getting on the first page of Google. Like, well, how does that look like? And so what we discovered is like, we could actually use OpenAI, well, GPT-3 and say, hey, this is a problem of that person, right? So you actually type it into a thing and then it gives you, it gives you a set of key results, right? It says like, oh, if that's the thing, this is probably what you want to track. It can also suggest tasks. But what's good about this is like, it's not, it doesn't know your business. So it's it's only going to be as good as that. But it gives you like, you know, that, that blank page problem, like the writer's block where you don't, you're not sure how to, that is not gone. And we have so many teams that actually came to us and they're like, they're excited because they they don't have to go to, they're like, they tap the thing that they want to do and then it comes back with uh, uh, some sort of plan and they're like, okay, I understand it now. And they can modify it, right? They can now use that as like a starting point and then adapt it to what the business needs. But I think the way I think about AI, OpenAI, ChatGPT, all of this, right, is that you have to treat it as an assistant, not as like a source of truth. And if you do treat it as like a, this thing that knows actually a lot of, it has like really great domain knowledge on a lot of things, um, it can help you. It can help you save like, like a, a few hours every day. So why not put it into a product? Thanks for the question. Like I said, sorry. <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't make my answer shorter. <laughs> no, that was great. I can't wait to use it. I'm going to mm. definitely <laughs> try that later. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, uh, it's actually incredible. Uh, anyway, uh, that's the, it's, no, I'm excited because it gives me results on, on things that I don't know how to do it. And I just put it in the thing and I'm like, oh, let's see what it thinks. And then it goes like, oh, those are the four metrics you should probably care about and, and go from X to Y. I'm like, oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, there was one last thing that um, I think is kind of, again, sort of covers on everything that we've talked about today. But um, so you've done a talk on on this and um, there was a statement in the talk around like agile is about acknowledging that there's a medium to low correlation between the size of our effort and the impact that it has um, <laughs> and how, you know, we, we kind of need OKRs to support an agile way of working or we need to think about OKRs in a more agile way. So just as a, I guess, as a sort of closing question, um, how do we ensure that the effort that we're putting into, you know, the the whole OKR process is correlates with the impact that it's having? Yeah, that's a, yeah, I can't believe I wrote that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's, like, I think for me, it's like, I'm probably going to repeat like that quote again, but agile, like for me, it comes from a place of understanding we can work really, really, really hard, but it's very unlikely if you do that for too long, 
it's very likely you're going to be wrong at the end anyway. So you can work hard, but you have to have like ways for you to understand like, is it still going the right way? And then it's like, it's almost like you do small steps and then you adjust like little by little as you go. And the one place where we didn't do that was in the strategy of companies, right? We understood Mm -hmm. that, oh, if we want to build that feature, it's not a great idea to go into a room, isolate ourselves with three or four people and come back six months later and saying, this is a feature, do you love it? Right? It's like, chances are, it's not going to be a great fit. And so what we've learned to do is to build a little bit of that feature, show it to people, get some feedback, build a little bit more, build a little bit more. But now what about strategy, what companies still do is to say, for instance, we want to double revenue. Okay, let's get to it. And we'll talk about this at the end of the year and check if we've doubled revenue. Whereas like what OKRs can bring to teams is to say, okay, you want to double revenue. Tell me more. Like go a little bit specific, more specific, right? What's your hypothesis for this quarter about things that you can do to double that revenue? And every week, we're going to see if this work, works. And if it works, then we keep doing it. But if it doesn't, then we're going to change those, um, those things, right? And and I think that that's, that's what I mean by that. It's like, we got to be humble and, and, and realize that, you know, even if we work super hard, like it doesn't always like get us where we want. And so the best way to do this is to work hard, but then don't hesitate to just like, you know, um, check ourselves, right? It's like, hey, like all these things that I'm doing, like producing the results that I want. And it's not about like, it's not a, a failure, right? It's just actually rec- recognizing that um, we're not perfect. And more importantly, even if we're really, really good for the people <laughs> listening and thinking, no, no, I'm great. It's like, even if you're great, it's like the world changes so fast around you that it's a pretty good idea to just realize, like, to just look at, like, do we still, that? and we haven't talked about it at all uh, during the podcast, and, and that's my fault, but uh, one of the most common things that happens is, like, you have to change your goal because the market has changed. So it's not that what you're doing is wrong. It's more that your goal is now wrong. It's, it's not, you can't keep on trying to achieve that because it's not going to work anymore. And, and sometimes, you know, like, doing this kind of, like, um, fast feedback cycles around strategy and, and execution on strategy. Um, that's going to help you just be more efficient as well. Sten, thank you so much for joining us for this interview. It's been really great talking to you. I've learned loads and um, I love talking about OKRs. So it's always a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, it's like, as you can see, I, I can't get excited on that topic. <laughs> In a way, where I'm like, and then my wife, <laughs> sorry, she comes and she's like, what do you talk about? And I'm like, Oh, yeah, key results. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's like, yeah, no, it's like, I find it fascinating. I think it's it's part of a life of teams. And, and I think it's like a an important thing to just like, yeah, get get teams that feel empowered and, and uh, what, you know, people are excited, excited to do the work. Amazing. So thank you. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> The Product Experience is the first and the best podcast from Mind the Product. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, and me, Randy Silver. Lou Ron Pratt is our producer, and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg based band POW, that's P A U. Thanks to Arnie Kittler, who curates both Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and who also plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. 
You can connect with your local product community via Product Tank, regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, maybe you should think about starting one. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. <laughs> 